Today I'm starting the first of a series on living in your destiny. But first, let us pray. Father, I thank you for all the people who are listening right now on the radio. I thank you that it's no accident that they're listening. I thank you that you have a plan for their lives. Whatever they're going through in their lives right now, whether it's good or bad, or whether they're having a good season or a bad season, or a difficult time or a seemingly impossible time, I thank you that you are the God of the impossible and that you have a plan for their lives. And I pray as the Apostle Paul prayed, that you would give them and us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, that you would open the eyes of their hearts, that they might know the hope to which you've called them, their glorious inheritance in the saints, and your incomparably great power for us who believe. Father, I pray, Lord, that this, the, the words that I speak may have spirit and life in them and that would change our lives, that would bring faith, that would bring encouragement, would bring a sense of purpose and destiny, would bring revelation, Lord, and would bring um, uh, a route through uh, a, and a sense of encouragement in the journey, Lord, that they can partner with you, Lord, in this journey of life that you have called them in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage of Scripture and uh, as long as you're not driving, because uh, I know some of you listen in your cars, but if you can, um, just close your eyes and just begin to meditate and, and contemplate and ponder on these verses of Scripture and let them just speak into your spirit and bring encouragement to you. These words are taken from um, David's Psalm uh, of 139, uh, the first 18 verses. <clears throat> O oh Lord, you <clears throat> excuse me. O oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say... Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. 
How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Those are beautiful words written um, hundreds of years ago by King David, and, and they apply to us today. I want us to think about today about the, the plan that God has for each one of us. We need to know that um, there is nothing spontaneous about God. We think sometimes that, that God is spontaneous because he shows up suddenly in our lives sometimes and, uh, and he shows up and does things in the world and he shows up um, in different places and it seems like it's spontaneous. And sometimes the things that happen in our lives seem to be spontaneous. And it seems like, you know, God uh, just suddenly appears. But Scripture tells us, and our experience really tells us, that actually God is very intentional about everything that he does. Everything that he does, he does intentionally. Everything he does, there's a plan and a purpose. Every word that he says there is purpose attached to them. He never wastes his words. If you've read the Gospels, you'll know that the words of Jesus, Jesus didn't speak words that didn't mean anything. He wasn't superficial about his words. But his words, as it says in John chapter 6, he says, my words are spirit and they are life. They, they have the power to change our lives. They have the power to change us from the inside out. And so, so, so God is, is very intentional about everything he does. And he's very intentional about everything he does in your life and in my life. He's very intentional about the people that he brings into our lives. He's very intentional about um, the, the things that we do with our lives. He's very intentional about um, bringing people into our lives that will speak words of encouragement. So he has a plan, and that plan started right at the very beginning when you were woven together in your mother's womb. And when you were fashioned together in your mother's womb, God, with all his creative genius, fashioned together everything that came together to make you, you. I don't know if you really knew this, but, but you are unique. There's never, ever been a person like you, and there never will be a, another person like, just like you. And so, so you are unique. You are amazing. And, and God sees you that way, and he fashions together all of your gifting, uh, a diverse mix of character and personality and gifting and talents and anointing. And he puts all that together, and then... And then out of that comes a plan for your life. And that plan is perfectly worked out in Christ. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus living inside of us. Because inside of you is your spirit man. And your spirit man contains all the, the life-giving power of this plan and destiny. And so outside of Christ, our spirit man is, is dead. You know, the, the Bible says that our, 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 our spirit is dead because of sin, but it's made alive in Christ. And so when our spirit man comes alive, then, then that plan and that purpose begin to unfold in all of its glorious intentionality from God. 
So just think about that for a minute. Whatever your circumstances are telling you right now, whatever your experiences of life, maybe life has treated you badly, but God can do anything in any circumstance. In fact, even the things that we do wrong, even the things that, that cause us to fall in pits and cause us to struggle in life, God can work everything together for our good in Christ, as it says in Romans chapter 8. And so we, we, just, we need to have that grasp that, that God can redeem any situation and he, he can transform our lives into be, from, from a life that's, that's boring and dull and seems um, lacking in purpose and vitality into a life full of life and creativity, full of purpose, full of anointing, and, and full of um, hope for the future. So what I want us to do is have a look of, at the life of one of um, the Bible's most famous characters in the New Testament, uh, of Apostle Peter. Uh, or as he was known before he knew Jesus, Simon. Uh, and as we'll see, he became Simon Peter or Peter. So if you just turn in your Bibles, if you, if you have them in front, or just listen to these words from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 41, it's just the account of Peter's very first uh, encounter with Jesus Christ. This man he came to know as his master, this man he came to know as his best friend, as his Lord and Savior. Okay, and it says this, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And in that moment, in that very first encounter, Jesus spoke a prophetic word into his life which activated the real person inside, the real man inside of him that was locked away. And it, and it brought something to life that would affect him for the rest of eternity, the rest of his earthly life and the rest of his heavenly life. That moment changed his life forever. And uh, what happened was in the, in the Hebrew um, when a, a, a mother and a father named their babies, they named them with purpose. Each name in the Hebrew uh, had, had a meaning, had an interpretation. It, it, it's like a prophetic word almost. And it described often their character, it described who they were and who they became. And the word Simon literally means in the, in the Hebrew language, it literally means a, we, a, a reed, like something that's swaying um, by the seaside or in a river. Um, and it blows in the wind. The reed blows on the marshes. And um, you can just imagine a reed just blowing. And every time the, um, the wind blows, the reed blows in the direction that the wind blows. And then if the wind changes, the reed blows in another direction. And that reed is very... Um, subject to the elements, subject to the wind. And this described, if you, if you look at Peter's character um, in his early years, as when he was called Simon, 
he was very much like that. He was very impulsive, very blown around by his emotions, very uh, a real people pleaser, um, very often put uh, his foot in his mouth um, and um, very often said things out of place. Um, but he also did some good things as well. He's very impulsive and driven person and um, uh, really quite angry as well. Very, very emotional man, Peter. Um, he was a fisherman. He grew up um, in a, a fishing family. His brothers were all fishermen. His dad was a fisherman. The, the fishing business was part of his family. And so, so Peter had this background of being quite a rough guy, um, a guy that's very outspoken, very, very driven, wasn't too careful who he offended and what he said. And um, Jesus looked at him in this very first encounter and saw, he said, this is who you are now. You're Simon. You are, you're like a reed right now. You're some, somebody who's just blown around, somebody who's, who's not solid in their lives at all. Um, but you will become Peter. And as many of us know, the word Peter, Cephas, in the, in the Hebrew literally means a stone or a rock. Now, you couldn't get anything too different from a reed and a rock. And Jesus looked at Peter and he spoke this prophetic word and he said, this is who you are now, but this is who you're going to become. This is, this is describes who you are now, but I want to tell you, Peter, you will become Peter and you, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And if you look at the the, the Peter, the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts, you'll see somebody who's very solid in their uh, faith, very solid in their relationship with God, very um, at peace with himself. He was even in a prison, chained to a, a jailer, and he was asleep. You can read about it in the book of Acts, and he was, he was asleep. Now, the, the, the Simon of old would never be asleep in the prison. He was a restless guy. He was... Um, not particularly happy in his own skin. He was not particularly um, uh, confident man. He was just a very restless guy. And, um, and I believe that, that we learn so much about Peter. I believe God has put Peter's life in the Bible in quite a lot of detail to show us that it doesn't matter what we're like before we know Jesus, that Jesus can transform any life and fill that life full of purpose, full of um, security and self-worth, full of um, confidence and peace in their lives, you know? So, so it, and it's there before us as an encouragement. So we're going to be looking at, at Peter in a little bit more depth as we go along with this teaching. And, and we will see as we go along the, the transformation in this man and some of the things that, that God did with him um, to enable him to change, to become the man that we know in the Acts of the Apostles. So I hope that's an encouragement to you um, to actually see that. And the, key, the real key <clears throat> with all these things is this, is to partner with the Holy Spirit. Because God has a destiny for your life. And he's infused that destiny, as we've said, into your spirit, into your, into your life in your mother's womb. But you need to partner with the Holy Spirit to actually walk that journey 
So what emerges out of your life is the very destiny that, that God has planned for you. And we're going to be looking at some of the stumbling blocks also that, that can prevent us from really fulfilling our potential and from really knowing our identity in Christ and from um, walking into our true destiny that God has planned for us. I just want to share a little testimony from my own life. Um, I was a, uh, brought up in a very um, wealthy family. My, my real father and mother were uh, business people. They were entrepreneurs. My father was an entrepreneur. Um, before I was born, he had a tea plantation in um, Ceylon, or what's known now as Sri Lanka, and he had this tea plantation. And um, they made a lot of money out of this, out of selling tea in in Sri Lanka. And then they, in uh, in 1958, they came back to England and started a big chicken business. And uh, this business got very successful quickly. It was the early days of the chicken industry in in England. Um, before chick chicken now is very common in England, um, but. Um, in those days, chicken was was very much a, a, a rare treat to have a roast chicken, and um, and they made a lot of money. And I grew up when I was born. I was born into a um, a, a wealthy environment, and I lived in a huge house. It had twelve bedrooms. It had a, like a ballroom and a billiard room. It had I had everything that you could could want. And I was an only child, and uh, everything was was brilliant until when I was three years old, uh, the business failed, and um, my father and mother became bankrupt. They became uh, very um, just everything. The the whole of their lives, the bottom fell out of them. Their lives, and um, my father became very mentally disturbed he became very depressed very abusive he abused my mother in terrible ways that uh, that um, really affected my life and her life and and eventually when I was four years old he left and to married the nanny who was actually paid to look after me and uh, and I never saw him again except once when I was nine years old and he went right out of my life and and he committed suicide when I was 12 he died and uh and um, I never really saw him again. And my mother remarried, and she married a colonial guy uh, uh, called Oliver. His name was Oliver. And he was a district commission of a province in Nigeria during the colonial days for 25 years. And he was, he was very much um, like an aristocrat, a very upper-class guy. Uh, um, my childhood was um, very much mingled with, um, the upper class, uh, lords and ladies, and all those kind of guys um, were very much part of my childhood from the age of four and five. And um, and you could look at my life and you could think, this boy has everything that any boy would need growing up. You know, he has uh, a public school education. Um, he has everything materially that you would want, a really nice place to live. Um, everything that you'd want. But inside, I was lonely, I was angry, I was in grief, I was in pain, I had a deep sense of abandonment and rejection. 
Um, I was a very insecure boy, and um, I grew up with almost zero confidence in my life and feeling that I was not worth a, a whole bunch. And, and so as I grew up, this, this kind of emerged, and, and I find it very difficult to interact with people I couldn't look people in the eye because my emotions were very mixed up. And, and when I was 16 years old, which was my last year at boarding school, um, something really terrible happened. My mother had a, a car accident, which she never recovered from, and she had severe brain damage. And she was actually in hospital or a nursing home for 41 years. Uh, this was in 1975, and um, she actually died last year in September last year. She was 95 years old, and and but this happened when I was 16, and it was like the whole bottom fell out of my life, and um, I became very rebellious, and I left school and became a drug dealer. Um, I completely ruined my father's public reputation, and um, when I was 17, he threw me out. And I was out on my own at 17. Um, and initially, I lived in some squats in London, um, and I became a drug dealer. I went to prison. And uh, when I came out of jail, um, I became homeless. I had nowhere to live. Um, in fact, I lived in a pigsty for about four months. And, and really, I thought my life was over. I was, I was a Never had a job, proper job, and, and I was a very broken young man and um, really thought I had no future at all. And I uh, tried suicide, and even that didn't work because the, the, um, uh, I had a friend who was a Christian, uh, my solicitor, a guy called Roderick, and he prayed for me. And, and I took three times the amount of drugs it takes to kill someone, and nothing happened because he was praying for me. And... And Jesus just stopped the drugs working. And, but I, I, I remember it very well. Uh, it was uh, in August 1978. I was sleeping on somebody's floor, and I cried out to God. I didn't know if God existed. I didn't know if he was real or not. I wasn't sure about any of these things. But, but I cried out to God, and I said, I said, Jesus, if you're real, I've made a complete and utter mess of my life. Uh, if you're real, would you come into my life and do something and change me? And, and um, nothing really physically happened. I didn't feel any goosebumps or any kind of warm feeling inside. I didn't feel any different. But um, I went to sleep that night and I had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus came into the dream. And... Um, he showed me in the dream that, that everything that I'd ever done was washed away in the blood that he shed on the cross. He showed me that so clearly. And when I woke up, I heard an audible voice. And the audible voice said, said, Alaric, that is what you've just done. Everything that you've ever done is washed away in the blood of my son. I heard it with my natural ears. And, and I didn't really know what had happened to me, really, but all I knew is that it was like a 10-ton weight had come off my shoulders. And I also felt this joy welling up inside of me. I didn't even know where it had come from. And it was about 4 o'clock in the morning and on a summer's morning in the UK in 1978, and I just ran down the, the street and just shouted for joy. And I was a little bit wilder in those days. Um, 
I had, you know, um, ripped jeans and T-shirt before ripped jeans became fashionable, you know, <laughs> in those days, and bare feet and long hair. And, and I just ran down the street and, and shouted for joy. And, and something had happened to me, something that would change my life forever. I knew something had happened. And I, I went to the only Christian that I knew, this guy, Roderick, and I said, look, I, I think I've met Jesus. Now, what do I do now? And he, um, he said to me, um, he gave me a Bible and he said, read this and pray and you'll be all right. And that kind of really stunned me because I thought, you know, look, now I'm a Christian. He's going to tell me the rules. You know, this is how you, this is how you are as a Christian. You know, you do this and you do this and you don't do this and you don't do that. And if you do that, you'll be all right and you'll be good and God will like you and, you know, and everything will be fine. And it wasn't anything like that. He just said, read this and talk to God and it'll be all right. And I did what he said. And I read the Bible from cover to cover and then I reread it. And I talked to God about all the stuff that's going on in my life. And gradually I began to change. Things began to change on the inside. Not because somebody had told me the rules or told me what to do, but something was planted inside of me. Something came alive inside of me. Something was active that I knew was life-changing. And, and as I prayed, it was like watering a plant. And, and as, as that revelation of the, that God was my father came into my life, everything changed. And God became the father that I always dreamed of. You know, my experience of father was not good. My, my real father abandoned me, abused my mother, and then committed suicide. And my stepfather had kicked me out. So my experience of father wasn't a very good one. And, but God began to show me a different experience of father. And it was like the sun came out and the Holy Spirit watered the word of God in my life. And it was like watering a plant that grew up from the inside out, like a, like a seed growing and germinating. And after about six months, I, um, I thought to myself, what, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And so I decided to go to the very north of the UK, which is um, in Scotland, right up into the hills, into the mountains, and to just seek God for the rest of my life. I knew I had joy. But my life was still a mess. It was still, I still was struggling with a lot of different things in my mind. And I'd taken a lot of LSD, which messed up my mind. And I'd taken a lot of drugs, which really um, made my body very damaged. And um, I was a mess at the age of 19 still, even though I knew I was saved and I knew I had joy in my heart. I knew I was forgiven for all my sin. But um, I still had a lot of struggles. And Anyway, I just went to the, to the north of the UK, to Scotland, and I was sitting in this, um, in this park in a little town called Blair Gary, which is at the, the foot of the highlands in Scotland. And, and I had a Bible with me, and uh, I was alone. There was nobody else in the park, and I was sitting on the park bench. And, and um, all of a sudden, I heard this audible voice, and it said, Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. And you know, I, I thought I was having some kind of um, flashback of uh, some kind of acid LSD trip I'd had, you know, and uh, um, 
I thought, you know, I, I was hearing things, you know, that I was going a little bit mad. But this voice said again, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. And so I turned to Jeremiah chapter 1 and, and the voice read these words to me. And it said, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. And these, these words seemed like absolute madness to me. You know, I was struggling with so many different things. I could hardly sleep at night. You know, there was so, I had a real problem with rejection and acceptance. I had a lot of anger inside, a lot of buried grief and things like that. And, and, and suddenly this voice is saying to me, I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. I didn't even know what a prophet was. I thought, I thought a prophet was something that, you know, you got if you did well in your business, you know. <laughs> so I didn't know what a prophet was. All I knew was something was coming alive inside of me. I, I couldn't work it out. I just laughed. I said, God, you must be crazy. Is somebody else in this park? And I looked around. There was nobody there. You know, this must apply to somebody else. You are seriously mistaken. You are having a laugh. This can't happen, you know. But, but even though my mind was saying that, inside, in my heart and in my spirit, something was coming alive. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, uh, and this word, these words that were spoken to me that I heard audibly that came out of the Bible was coming alive inside of me. And um, all I knew that this, this was part of my destiny. I knew that God, this was real. This wasn't something that I'd learned. I hadn't you know, learned, hadn't done Bible study, hadn't been to Bible college or anything like that. It was just something that came up out of my spirit. I knew this was real. I knew that, that, that these words were real for me, that they applied to me. And I want to say that each one of you listening to this, every one of you, God has a plan for your life. Every one of you, God intentionally has a destiny, you are a life changer. Potentially, you are a world changer. Who you are is amazing. And if you partner with the Holy Spirit in journeying with him in the emerging of your destiny, I want to tell you, you will change your world. Whatever that world is, whether it's your home, whether it's your business, whether it's your church, whether it's um, whatever it is you do in your life, what, whoever you contact, whoever you live with, whoever you meet, you potentially, you are a world changer. You have, because inside, if you've invited Jesus Christ to come and live in your heart, if you are born again by the Holy Spirit, then you are potentially a world changer. And the same miracle power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of your mortal body. Just think about that for a minute. Think about the power it took to raise a body that had been dead for three days back to life again. That power, if you are born again, lives inside of you. It says it in Romans chapter 8. You can look it up. It says it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And because he lives inside of you, everything that's inside of you 
that's dormant right now can come to life, can begin to emerge. But there is a process. And this is exactly what happened to Peter. Jesus looked at Peter in that first encounter and something awakened inside of him. It blew his mind. His mind couldn't cope with it. His mind couldn't, couldn't deal with it at all. But inside, something came alive. Faith rose up. It came to life. And it changed him from the inside out. And after that encounter, you, you begin to see a different Peter. Even though he still had some of the same struggles that he used to have. Even though he still put his foot in it. Even though he got things wrong. Even though, you know, he was impulsive and, and um, was blown around by his emotions and angry on days. And a coward, as we see at the end, uh, just before Jesus died. Even though those things were still part of his soul and part of his character. Emerging out of that was this incredible destiny and this, this man who was a world changer. <clears throat> Just think about that for a minute. <clears throat> think about that. Think about um, what it took to change this man, to change this man from that that you see as a fisherman into a world changer that you see in the Acts of the Apostles. I want to tell you... Um, when Jesus spoke those words to me, those that I heard audibly, that was 38 years ago. And I can honestly say, through a huge amount of, of trials, a huge amount of challenges, a huge amount of walking with God um, and healing that I've had in my life and all kinds of experiences that I've had and people that I've um, met and have been in my life, that those words have come to pass that I, I do travel the world and act in prophetic things and act as a prophet. Those words have come to pass. I can honestly say that those words are, as we speak, coming to pass. I'm living in my destiny. And every one of us can live in our destiny. And so, so I want to encourage you with that. Now, there are things that hold us back and there are things that, that cause us to um, not step in as fast as we could. And one of those things is, is the authority figures that we've had in our lives sometimes reflect things on us and say things to us and about us that cause us to believe lies about ourselves and believe lies about God, and believe lies about our future and what we're capable of. And, and sometimes they can be well-meaning and sometimes not, but they can have real power in our lives. Authority figures like parents, like teachers, sometimes even, dare I say it, pastors, people who we've put our trust in to actually shape our lives, people who we... Um, believe when they say something we believe them and we put our trust in their words if you've had people in your life like that who've said things to you like you'll never be any good or you know you're ugly or you're useless or you'll always be a failure or you'll never amount to anything things like that 
or even inferring them and you've believed them and they've become part of your identity, part of your life, those words will affect you negatively. They, they, they act like um, curses in our lives because they, they um, because of the faith that we've put in the words and the people who've given them, they, they, we receive them as faith. We, we believe, believe what they say, but because they're not actually true, we've actually believed lies and it distorts the true identity that, of who we are in Christ when we put our life in Jesus's hands. We become born again. And the scripture says that we are new creations in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. So God in, inside of us has created a whole new identity because he lives inside of us, uh, a whole new status before him. We're no longer sinners to him because of the blood of Jesus. He calls us sons. He calls us sons and daughters of the living God. And, and God treats us as sons and daughters. And he will speak to you as a son and a daughter if you know Jesus in your life. He, he, he will no longer address you as a sinner, even if you address yourself as a sinner. And the problem is, is that often we address ourselves in, in a different way to what God addresses us. We feel that we're no good. We believe that we're no good. And because of that, it stops us from stepping into our destiny. And uh, I'll just share very briefly a, a, a story of a man who came to me a few years ago. I won't say who he is because he has a, a big missionary mi ministry. And some of you may know who he is and what his name is. But um, he came to me. Um, and he said to me, he said, look, I have a great ministry, but I have this thought that goes through my mind every single day of my life. Every single day, this thought goes through my mind. You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. And it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating sometimes many, many times, um, in a day in his life. And he said this to me and and I said to him, so when did these thoughts start coming? And he began to think back and he said, well, they, they seemed to start when I was 21 years old. And I said, so what happened when you were 21 years old? And, and he said to me, he said, when I was 21, I was engaged to be married to this girl, a really beautiful girl. And I was in love with her and, and we'd set the wedding date. And, and I went out with my parents to have one last holiday as a family before the wedding as a single guy, as a bachelor. And uh, uh, so he went out to have a holiday. I think it was in Spain somewhere or somewhere hot. And um, when he came back, the wedding was off. His bride-to-be had actually canceled the wedding and had an affair with his best man, his best friend. She had an affair and, and ended up marrying him and not my friend. And ever since then, this thought has gripped his mind. You're no good. 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 Because this belief that he had 
was fueled by a trauma that he went through, the grief that he felt, the pain. The pain turned into faith, negative faith, belief about himself, that he wasn't good enough for this girl, that his friend was better than him. He didn't match up. And so many of us have these thoughts and, and they grip us. And sometimes for many years, they grip us so much so that they become part of our personality. They become part of our identity. And we, we, don't, even, we don't even give them a second thought because that's the way we feel about ourselves. And I want to say that I'm going to pray in a minute. Um, if you've had thoughts like that, that the things that have been spoken to you or thoughts that you've had that are similar to those, I want to pray that those words are broken because those words are like name, invisible names that we write on our forehead. And they're, they're like names like useless, like no good. And they're like names that, that describe us and imprint our identity. Like the name Simon imprinted Peter's identity. So Jesus knew that Peter needed a name change from reed to rock. He needed to, to have a name change. He needed to have an identity that reflected how God saw him, that reflected how God viewed him. And we all need that. You know, it says in Isaiah chapter 62, the nation of Israel so I, God said it, you can read it. it, says, I will change your name. You will no longer be called desolate, but I will name you married. You will no longer be called ugly. I will name you beautiful. You no longer will be called rejected, for I will name you accepted. You will no longer be called abandoned. For I have included you. I have received you. I have chosen you. You no longer need to be in the background because I have chosen you to be a light in your world. And the Lord would say that to you. The Lord would say that to me. And, and as those these 38 years have gone by. God repeatedly has, has said those things to me. Alaric, I've chosen you. I've called you. You are mine. You're my treasure. You're precious in my sight. And he gave me a new name. And he gave Peter a new name. And he wants to give you a new name. And he wants that name to rise up. And that's the name that's engraved on his, the palm of his hands, as it says in the book of Isaiah. It says, your names are engraved or written on the palm of his hands. It literally means, the literal Hebrew means your name is tattooed. You know, God has tattooed before anyone had tattoos. <laughs> and he's tattooed your name on the palm of his hands. Now, I don't know how many times a day God looks at his hands, you know, but when he looks at his hands, he sees your name there. He sees my name there. It's engraved. He loves you with a passionate, unconditional love. And that love has the power to change your life because it doesn't, it's unconditional. It doesn't matter whether you're having a good day or a bad day. It's unconditional.
It doesn't matter whether you're having a good year or a bad year. His love is unconditional for you. And there's no good thing that you can do to make God love you any more than what he does right now. Just think about that for a minute. And there's no bad thing that you can do to make God love you any less than what he does right now. Because he loves you the same, unconditionally. You can't change that. Your behavior can't change that. Even if, as we read in the scripture, you know, even if you go to the far end or to the bottom of the sea, even there his hand will guide you. His presence is there. His love for you is there. And he wants to activate your spirit and cause you to become the very best expression of who you are. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the process of that and some how that could happen and, and how that, that new identity that's in us can rise up because there is a journey, there is a process. Um, and God has a plan for the process as well as the destiny, as well as the final destination. He's not just interested in your final destination. He wants relationship with you. He loves being with you. He loves, when, he loves being in your presence just as much as you love being in his presence. He loves being with you. He loves talking with you about all kinds of things. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a real relationship with you. So I'm going to pray now. And, um, and I'm going to pray that you will get free from all the things, all the names, all the things that you believe that have not been from God. Now, I want to tell you the end of the story of my friend. What I said to him was, I said, you need to just confess who you are. So I got some verses from the Bible that tell who he is in Christ, that he's holy and blameless, that he's accepted in the beloved, that he's holy and blameless in the sight of God. And he started off and he said, I am holy and blameless in your sight. And I said to him, do you know what? That was pathetic. That was just, you know, he, he was just so quiet about that. There was no authority in that. I said, shout it. And he began to shout. And he began, out of his spirit man came the word of God. I am holy and blameless in your sight, Lord. I am accepted in the beloved. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. And he began to confess these scriptures. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And something happened. And he gave me a phone call three weeks later. And he said, Alaric, I have not thought that thought once since we prayed. Once since I declared the, that truth. You know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's so powerful to begin to confess truth. To begin to take authority over the, the negative things, the lies that we believed about ourselves, the distortions and break the power and break the, the curses that are on our lives. So I'm going to pray now as we finish this broadcast.
Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the life that's in your word. I thank you for the passion that you have for every single one of us to become um, the fullest expression of who we are, to fulfill our potential, to achieve the destiny that you've placed on our lives. And Lord, I come against every negative word that's been spoken over every one of us and every negative word that we've spoken over ourselves and over the, every lie that we've believed about ourselves. And in Jesus' name, I break the power of those words. I break every pronouncement, every curse that's been spoken over us, every negative thing that's been said over us, every name that's written, every negative name that's written on our forehead. And I break your power right now in the name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, I call forth that new creation. To those who don't know you right now, who have never um, encountered you in a living way and invited you into their hearts, Lord, I ask that you would just bring conviction, Father, and that you would cause them to be born again today. You'd cause them to see you and to know you as the father of their souls, Lord, as their father. Lord, I thank you. Lord, that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. And so I pray that everybody who's listening to this will encounter Jesus. And Lord, I pray that your love, Lord, would go from being a theory and something that we know in our heads to something that we experience in our hearts and the grace that you have for us, that you don't count our sins against us. Lord, that through your blood we are cleansed from every sin, that through your blood we are cleansed and, and set free from every bondage, that through your blood, Lord, we are healed from every disease. I pray for everyone who's sick right now listening to this, and in the name of Jesus, I curse every sickness. I command every sickness to wither and die, every infirmity to wither and die in the name of Jesus. Uh, and I call forth your healing flood to come into their bodies, into their minds, into their souls, and into their spirits to bring life and hope, Lord, for their future in the name of Jesus.